This is Mike Corey from ESPN, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. We continue on with the inside slant to a lot of big ball games this weekend and a couple in the ACC, and one of those uh, within the ACC is taking place in Chapel Hill as you have the number 19 Virginia Tech Hokies 2-0 traveling to take on the number 8 North Carolina Tar Heels. And right now to preview that matchup, we welcome in the play-by-play voice of the Hokies, John Laser. John, we appreciate you rejoining the program. Absolutely. Great to be with you guys. Absolutely. Uh, this should be a tremendous ball game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, taking a look at it, Virginia Tech, uh, they've been battling some COVID issues, but that hasn't stopped them from averaging over 40 points a game and averaging nearly 320 yards per game, led by Kansas transfer Khalil Herbert. So talk about what you've seen out of Justin Fuente's ball club thus far. Yeah, you're right. It's been a real patchwork effort to this point, And you had similar numbers in terms of your – COVID issues from week one to week two, but they impacted the team in very different ways. Going into NC State, the problem was getting guys back from quarantine and or isolation so close to game time and not being able to practice, not being able to run any scout work and just trying to gut through things from a conditioning perspective. But you had most of your primary playmakers on both sides of the ball, minus your starting quarterback and Hendon Hooker, but the defense was pretty whole. That changed dramatically from week one to week two, and you went down to Duke basically without your top five cornerbacks and your top safety, and somehow found a way to win that game. I really still to this moment do not know how that was possible uh, with who you were having to play and how far down the depth chart you had to go. So I think it's a testament to Virginia Tech's depth. Clearly at this point, you can see that this offensive line is the best offensive line group that they've had in a number of years in this program. And that's allowing them to dictate the tone and the tempo in the games and in the Duke game in particular, it allowed them to wear down that Duke defense. Herbert's been outstanding. As you mentioned, his vision has been a revelation in terms of taking some of those holes and opportunities and turning them into big plays when maybe some other more pedestrian backs wouldn't. Uh, Virginia Tech's pass game really hasn't been clicking on all cylinders by any means to this point. They're probably going to need to get that going this weekend against North Carolina. And on the defensive side of the ball, unfortunately, you'll be closer to hole this weekend, but you still won't be all the way back. And that'll be a big question mark going into this one. Well, John, you talked about the offensive line really playing well. And North Carolina's defensive line has had a great start of the season. What do you look forward to in that matchup? And how do you think the Hokies are going to try to continue to have success going against such a good D-line? Yeah, I think early in the game, Virginia Tech's going to want to find out how good that defensive line is, not to say that it's not. But the two teams that North Carolina have played to this point do not profile anywhere in the same fashion as Virginia Tech in terms of how they approach the game. Syracuse is, of course, the quick tempo, play fast, quick hitting passes, really not going to try to run the football through the tackles on you. And although it sounds way out of the norm for Boston College, they don't fit that mold anymore either under new coach Jeff Halfley. And they also threw the ball a tremendous amount in that game. So I'm not saying Virginia Tech will have success early running the football, but I think that they absolutely have to try to find out if they can. Uh, And if they cannot, uh, then you're going to see some of the others counters off of a packed box and, and probably try to get the tight ends involved in the screen game, try to get your running backs involved more in the screen game. We really haven't seen the screen game at all 
through the first two games because they've had so much success running the football, but those would be the areas that you would go to if that run game isn't able to have a lot of success early on in the football game. But yeah, you've got to find out. And in my opinion, at least on the offensive side of the ball for Virginia Tech, that is the storyline. How much success can you have at the line of scrimmage against a very formidable group from Carolina? Yeah, and you, you talk about the Tar Heel the Tar Heel defense, Jay, allowing 108 rushing yards per game. Um, like you said, though, uh, John, Syracuse and Boston College aren't exactly Virginia Tech when it comes to running the football by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, kind of shifting over to the other side of the ball, uh, you have Sam Howe and that North Carolina offense. They haven't exactly clicked on all cylinders just yet. It's been more the defensive side for the Tar Heels that has led the way. And uh, But talking about that offense, and you have – like I mentioned, Sam Howe, the sophomore quarterback, who's uh, very highly regarded, one of the top signal callers in not only the ACC, but the country. And uh, they're going against the Virginia Tech defense, like you said, that hasn't been at full strength just yet. So how do you see that match up with those, uh, the trio of Tar Heel wide receivers and Brown, Corrales, and Newsom uh, matching up against Virginia Tech? Yeah, it's definitely going to be the critical area. And I think this North Carolina offense is a sleeping giant because you mentioned their capabilities and some of their skill position players. Sam Howell is obviously one of the best in the country and now a year older, threw for five touchdowns last year as a freshman against Virginia Tech. And you have the Brown brothers now, Diami joined by his younger brother, Choffrey, who will factor in Corrales as a handful as is Daz Newsom, who years ago was a, a heavy recruit for Virginia Tech, whose older brother actually played here. So the Hokies are well aware of that firepower. And again, they're going to feel quite a bit better about the corners that they're able to run out tomorrow in this matchup. But you still have some questions in that secondary in terms of who's going to be available. So I would imagine that Mac Brown and that North Carolina offense is going to test the secondary as much as they can early in the game. That's exactly what I would do, obviously, going into the matchup. So it comes back to, for Virginia Tech, 13 sacks over the first two games. Surprisingly, I think to some, including myself, seven against a, a very stout Duke offensive line. Uh, can you get pressure with four? Can you get pressure with three and allow the linebackers to help the safeties more in coverage and more in the middle of the football field because if you're not getting pressure with that front four for Virginia Tech you're going to be in trouble all throughout the all throughout the ball game. John so last year's game was one that probably could go down the history as one of the biggest biggest uh, you know games in ACC history. What impact if any do you think last year's game will have as far as motivation really for both teams? Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a situation where you walked away and there was a lot of bad blood or anything like that. I think both teams just kind of looked at each other exhausted and said, wow, that was a hell of a battle. Uh, I know that was the Virginia Tech perspective, and they certainly recognize that North Carolina has a ton of talent. Last year, it was relatively young talent when you're talking about Howell in particular. So I think they recognize that they were fortunate to win that football game. There was a couple different opportunities where it looked like Carolina had it put away. They had a 35-yard field goal attempt that was missed by Noah Ruggles that could have won it in the third overtime. In the second overtime, the Hokies were facing fourth and two and threw a rather risky fade to the end zone that was caught by Damon Hazleton that kept them alive in that game. So I, I don't think Tech walked away going, hey, we got the best of you that night despite they got the win. For Carolina, I'm sure it was a long trip home that night, an exhausted trip home that night. That might have been the type of game that affects you for weeks afterwards just in terms of fatigue. And as they say, don't get beat twice uh, for 
Carolina and they found themselves in a number of close games. So I don't think it'll have any impact in terms of the emotion uh, because I think both teams right now really want to make a statement as to who they are. Like you mentioned for North Carolina, they haven't showcased their offense uh, to the degree that I believe they're capable of. And for Virginia Tech, they don't feel like at any point this, this thus far this season, they've been whole. And I think they'd really like to see what their ceiling is. This weekend, I think, offers a great opportunity for both teams to do that. You know, John, two weeks ago when my fellow co-host Kyle Barber and I spoke with you prior to that NC State game, a game which Virginia Tech just dominated um, pretty surprisingly, and not so much that they won, but the way in which they won, uh, guess what, at one point leading 45 to 10, uh, really, uh, really surprised me. But um, we talked about in that interview about the transition to defensive coordinator. So talk about what you've seen thus far and and how it compares to what uh, Bud Foster did in all those years of guiding defense in Blacksburg? Well, Justin Hamilton's the greatest defensive coordinator in history that's never set foot inside a stadium where his team has played to this point because he winds up, after I talked to you guys, Bubba, the next morning we found out that uh, he wasn't going to be available due to some COVID concerns, and that stretched into two weeks. So he actually hasn't led the defense for either of those weeks. Those were part of the challenges that I was referencing. Ryan Smith, the first-year cornerbacks coach, actually called the defense against NC State, and then he himself uh, wound up in quarantine for the Duke game, and I'm not even still entirely sure who called the defense against Duke, but they did a pretty darn good job uh, getting seven sacks on Chase Bryce. So Ham will be back this week, uh, and I think we'll see that in to come to fruition for the first time because they'll have his whole defensive staff, which is a phenomenal thing. The schematic things that we've seen to this point are just a little more one high safety than Bud Foster traditionally played. We've seen quite a bit more zone coverage uh, with the corners. And I think some of that has more to do with your personnel than your philosophy at this point in terms of not gambling on the back end of your defense. And fortunately, you haven't had to do that because with the addition of Bill Tierlink and Daryl Tapp, the co-defensive line coaches, you can clearly see that there's been an advancement up front uh, from a number of guys and they've had a lot of success. So it still looks like Virginia Tech defense just with a few wrinkles that the casual fan probably wouldn't pick up on at this point but I know Justin Hamilton's the most excited guy in the world just to get on a sideline again because he hasn't been able to be there at all this season and John Justin Fuentes you know he's been able to lay the foundation and get his recruiting classes into the program now how do you feel the talent level is at Virginia Tech compared to maybe the rest of the ACC and how do they feel like their plan is going as far as them coming in and, you know, wanting to get to the top of the ACC? Well, I think they've done a really good job of building and molding this offensive line. And you look at the fact that despite the experience level that they have and the success that they're having, none of them are seniors with the exception of Lucita Smith at left guard. And you could easily probably replace him with Doug Nestor if you needed to. And then you're looking at all juniors and sophomores and you have two probably NFL draft capable tackles. So I think they've done a great job of building depth on that line. The defensive line is starting to come along, but probably a year behind in terms of the way that they were recruiting, but showing some of the fruits of that process as well. Uh, recruiting skill positions 
Dobbins receivers has never been an issue in this offense because it's a very attractive offense. Running backs has been a problem at times to find guys that are willing to share the football. Uh, but the Hokies have done a remarkable job in the transfer portal over the last couple of years. You see all of their transfer players having success right out of the gate. Raheem Blackshear, Khalil Herbert, whom we mentioned leading the country in rushing. Justice Reed had a couple of sacks in the first game. And of course, Braxton Burmeister has started both games at quarterback. On the defensive side, uh, as I mentioned, the line, the corners, you should have had Caleb Farley, if not for COVID, and Jermaine Waller, probably the best tandem in the ACC. And your linebackers, you feel that way about too with Dak. Hollifield and Rayshard Ashby and then you also have Alan Tisdale uh, who would start on pretty much any other team I think in the conference maybe outside of Virginia so uh, the recruiting's gone well it hasn't been star studded it hasn't been splashed with four and five star guys but the player development within the program I think you're really starting to see come to the forefront. John here a few weeks ago um, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper made the announcement that seven percent will be allowed and North Carolina venues that could hold 10,000 plus. And I know Keenan Stadium's obviously right there around 50,000. So what have you heard this week? Uh, will there be right around 3,500 fans in attendance? Yeah, I think that's what Virginia Tech is expecting. Duke, of course, in the same state opted to not allow fans at all despite that change from the governor last week. And that was a remarkable, <laughs> remarkably sterile environment. It was kind of eye-opening because we had a thousand at our first game and you never really imagined that the difference between zero and a thousand would make that much of a difference, but it did. So I think honestly with 3,500 fans, their tech's looking forward to it because even though they won't be cheering for Virginia Tech, they'll be making some noise and providing some level of environment. And clearly with that few, it's not gonna be all that hostile or all that noisy or, or something that they have to deal with on the offensive side so like you would in a true road game at North Carolina so I think both sides are probably welcoming the fact to add a little atmosphere to it and John I know this game's on the road but how much do you think it the the ability not to have the home atmosphere at Lane Stadium will affect the team this year because that's such a huge advantage especially at night games um you know have that home crowd yeah, you know, I was worried about it going into the season, and I still am when you get to some of your rivalry games, notably Miami and Virginia and Clemson coming in here. But the only thing that we have to base it on thus far is the NC State game, like I said, with a thousand fans and the team performed quite well, did a great job of bringing the energy. And you can argue that that's because they're essentially caged dogs coming out of quarantine and hadn't been able to play uh, through three postponements to start the season. Uh, and that's where the energy came from. But hopefully they'll find other ways to generate that because you're right, it's different. But at the same time, you're not facing the hostilities on the road that you would. And I think it balances out. For example, this would be, I'm not saying it's gonna be not a difficult task this week against North Carolina. It is just because of how talented the heels are but it's not as daunting as it would have been had Keenan Stadium been full. Taking a look at this matchup, last thing before we um, let you run, John, and we certainly appreciate your time as always, but um, this is a series in which Virginia Tech has really had its way. Obviously, that means nothing this year, but the Hokies have won four straight against North Carolina, six of the last seven, and are 13-3 and three against North Carolina overall since joining the ACC way back in 2004. Um, but um, – if you had to nail some of the things we've discussed down, uh, what are what's your two or three keys for Saturday's um, game and in order for Virginia Tech to come out victorious? Yeah, and I think you look at that series and a lot of those early victories for Virginia Tech was when football was 
an afterthought at North Carolina, clearly a basketball school, but now under Mac Brown taking tremendous strides forward in recruiting and really not only balancing the talent gap, but maybe rising above a number of ACC schools when they had Mitch Trubisky back in 2016 and also a group of dynamic receivers. The Hokies got a bit fortunate that they played that game in a hurricane and Virginia Tech handled it quite a bit better and won 34-3. That was kind of the last time it was a ballyhooed matchup. Uh, and then Carolina was down the next year and kind of rebuilding. Larry Fedora gets fired, Mac Brown starting things. So you kind of toss that out the window. This is clearly the most talented team to this point that Virginia Tech has played that's belied in their ranking. Uh, we touched on the firepower of that offense. So the keys to me for Virginia Tech winning are you have to win on both lines of scrimmage. Defensively, you absolutely need to find ways to get pressure. If you can get it with four, fantastic. That should benefit you in the back end of the defense that, again, will be shorthanded. I think you also have to understand this is not a North Carolina team you're going to shut out. So if you give up a big play or two, you got to play through it, and, and you can't allow those sudden changes in momentum to affect you, particularly on the road. On the offensive side for Virginia Tech, they don't necessarily have to rush for 300 yards again, but they do have to have success in the run game. They have to dictate at the line of scrimmage with the offensive line. And if they're not able to run it through the tackles like they have been or run that weak side stretch like they have been able to, then you've got to find a way to get your tight ends and running backs involved in the passing game. And I look for the Hokies to do that. Those are the big two keys on both sides, offense and defense for Virginia Tech. And the third phase, is going to be uh, important in this game, but my third key would be turnover margin. Virginia Tech was fortunate to win against Duke with a negative two in turnover margin. That does not happen very often and will not happen, I don't believe, for Virginia Tech this weekend. If they can find a way to manufacture a couple of takeaways and take care of the ball, then I think they'll be okay. This will be a noon kickoff on ABC. And uh, before we let you go, tell folks how they can listen if they happen to be in the car, uh, be it TuneIn Radio or otherwise, and also um, how, how they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be on our Virginia Tech Sports Network across 40 stations, uh, including in Charlotte, in Carolina there. But if you're not in the area of one of those stations, you can always listen on the <clears throat> excuse me, Hokie Sports app or the TuneIn app. Uh, nationally and also pretty much streaming wherever you want the tune in website as well. We'll be on the air at 1030. Uh, Mike Burnup, the rest of the crew and myself. Uh, and if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at LazeVT, L-A-Z-E-V-T. And that's the same handle on Instagram too. Appreciate your time as always. And I'll tell you what, we look forward to having you back on um, as the year progresses because I know in the month of November and early December, Virginia Tech has some tremendous games ahead um, with the likes of uh, Clemson, as well as Miami coming to Lane Stadium. Hopefully there'll be more fans in attendance by that point in time. We shall see. Um, but uh, as always, appreciate the visit, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Have an excellent call tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy chopping it up with you. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, appreciate it. And um, we will tag you on social media when we put this out. Awesome. Thanks, Bubba. See you, Jay. Thanks right. so much, Sean.